Zero Pounders, this is J.R. Wilco with today's Unnecessary Foolishness. It's episode 47 of the Superfluous Poppycock podcast. I've got Marilyn Dubinsky here with me, and we're going to be discussing the good case that the Rockets have in their protest of the Spurs game. How are you, Marilyn? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I wish we weren't discussing the possibility of the Spurs having a game overturned. We'll get to the chances that we think, uh, what the odds are that that'll actually happen. But, uh, man, when I read through what the Rockets are actually saying that they're upset about, before I get into what they want the league to do about it, when I just look at what the Rockets are upset about, I can't help but agree. I agree with that. That was definitely one of the most messed up situations I've ever witnessed watching an NBA game. So let's let's begin by just taking a look at what the Rockets' case is, not what they're asking the NBA to do, but what they're actually upset about is a great case. First of all, I think everyone should everyone should be able to agree when the ball goes through the basket, it should count. All right. So moving on from there, give me give me the uh, give me the Rockets' case. So the Rockets are filing a protest on the outcome of that game since James Harden dunk did not count, as we know. So their their protest is based on a misapplication of the rules over the fact that a made basket is worth two points and it was not counted correctly by the refs. After the game, the head ref from that game claimed that they had called offensive goaltending, but Mike D'Antoni took more than the allotted 30 seconds to challenge them to review the play. So the evidence the Rockets are submitting in their case is that the refs never did call offensive goaltending, allowing him to challenge the call, with their five points of proof being that a basket interference signal was never given. The Mm -hmm. clock continued to run after that play. The Spurs inbounded the ball from where the ball went out of bounds. At one point, another referee, Kevin Scott, told the Rockets later in the game that it was a missed basket, not uh, offensive goaltending. Well, it's basket interference, right? Correct. And finally, the official scorekeeper for the game actually initially counted the basket before taking it back after the refs did not. Yeah. So, So first of all, this is a black eye for the league, right? (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. I mean, everyone everyone in the building saw a dunk except the three guys paid to actually make sure that teams get credit for the points they score. That's kind of that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> the score the official scorer called it. The announcers called it. The I mean everyone watching the game called it. Saw a dunk for whatever reason, even the ref that was Running alongside James Harden also didn't see it as a dunk. So fair enough, right? This is this is so messed up. And the Rockets have an awesome case on this play, that they should have gotten two points for that play. Now, where do they go wrong? Well, they went wrong in doing what the Rockets tend to do lately. And over this one play, despite being up 13 at the time, including 22 at one point before that with 750 left. 
they initially actually hoped that the league would just give them the basket and the win outright and even hoped that they wouldn't have to file a protest to get the NBA to change things, but then decided they needed to, to make sure the NBA acted. But the fact that they can't accept that they blew a 22 point lead. And at that point, a 13 point lead that this missed basket is the one and only reason they lost that game and either want the win awarded or the last 750 replayed is very Houston, very in line with this team. It's very Houston. <laughs> that sounds that sounds uh, that sounds cityist. That sounds teamist. You're such a teamist. What a teamist comment, Marilyn. <laughs> well, I have evidence to back it up. Not only right. okay, back it up. All back right, up well, that comment. Well, we can go back to the 2018 playoffs against the uh, Warriors, where the Rockets are up three to two blew the last two games, including missing something like 27 straight three-pointers. But they still sent an audit to the league pointing out every single wrong call that went against them, against the Warriors, to make a case that they should have won the championship. Not to make a case that they should have gone to the finals, but that they should have won the championship. (laughs) And note that that audit did not include any wrong calls that went their way and hurt the Warriors. Oh, okay. And another case would be last summer when the Greek Freak won MVP and the Rockets Twitter literally tweeted at him saying, congratulations, but we respectfully disagree because they felt James Harden should have won. They, res- they At least they were respectful. <laughs> at least. that's If there's anything they did right in that tweet, that was it. But it's not a tweet that ever should have happened. Oh, that's Twitter, though. You're talking about the whole city of Houston. You're talking about all, all Rocket. Fa- You're talking about the Rockets organization. Yes. Well, I guess they're in charge of their Twitter feed. All right. What else? Anything else? Uh, well, there there is also always Mike D'Antoni, who can never take a blame Oof. for anything his team does wrong. He probably still thinks the Suns won the uh second round against the spurs in 2007 and oh he's just a very self-centered coach and can never do any wrong it's always someone else's fault yikes man does anybody else lose like mike d'antoni i mean i'm not just i'm not saying as often because he's got a great win-loss record for his his career or a good one uh it's just it's a it's almost a style thing yeah, I mean, he's he has a system that works great in the regular season. It's all centered around finding the most efficient shots and outscoring the other team, which is easy to do when you play different teams every night and when you have one of the top scorers in the league. But then the playoffs roll around and his stars are getting tired because he plays them so many minutes. And when you play the same team, four to seven games in a row, they can start planning around stopping your stars and making everyone else beat you. And he also doesn't really coach defense. He even has a defensive coordinator on the rocket staff, which is much more of a football thing than a basketball thing. But at least he has one now. He used to not. He does. Maybe that was a requirement when Houston hired him. I don't know, (laughs) but He's, he's just got a system that works well in the regular season, but not the playoffs. 
Well, his team's got a whole bunch more wins than the Spurs have right now. So that is true. That's undeniable. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about what we think about the Rockets case that's strong. On the merits, they should have gotten points for that. Absolutely. But overturning the game outright and just getting the win or replaying the last seven minutes plus of the game the next time the teams meet, that's that's kind of ridiculous. You can say that there is, well, there is precedent for the league making two teams, I think they did it back in 2009, making two teams replay a minute and change of a game. It didn't overturn the game, but that was for those 10 years ago. Secondly, we're talking about a massive chunk of this game. It did not come down to that play being the make or break. It's just that it broke for them. And it, it, it starts to seem to me like this is a little bit more grandstanding than it is an actual appeal or protest at this point. It's like it's like the Spurs are trying to, to trying to win win some points in some ongoing grievance against the league or something. What do you think? That's very much what it seems like, which again points back to them auditing the refs in a playoff series and whatnot. <laughs> and it just feels like if their goal here was to bring attention to the league to all the problems that came up here, the fact that made baskets that weren't counted are not maybe reviewed by Secaucus, New Jersey. The fact that the coaches challenge is still very much a work in progress and not entirely clear. The miscommunication with the refs, if their goal was to get all this fixed so that it never happened to anyone else ever again, that would be one thing. But the fact that they're, leading point was that they either want the basket rewarded and the game and then handed the win because then they would have won since the game was tied at the end or that they want to replay it shows it's not their goal to help fix their system. It's the goal. Their goal is to get the win. This is what I come away from this. Secaucus needs to be involved in this kind of stuff, period. It almost seems like they would have been involved except they stayed out of it because now there's coaches challenge i mean this is this is awful it's just across the board teams should get points when they score and this is actually something that bothers me because right now the way that instant replay works the way that the way that play reviews work it seems like the nba should care as much about scoring as the nfl does the nfl does a much better job First of all, there's less scoring in in football than in basketball. I understand that. But the but the league reviews every single score and then they review when the coach challenges when he thinks it was a score and it wasn't scored. And they give those challenges back when they're unless they're overturned. So when they're upheld, they get them again. And this beginning system that the NBA has, we'll talk about it more, but the NFL is doing a far better job of this. The NBA has a system in place to be able to deal with this. They already do it for overturning called threes that are actually twos with guys foot on the line, or they were called twos and they were actually threes. 
if Sakakis can jump in there and say, hey, we reviewed this, we need to turn that from a two into a three or a three into a two, they just tell them. They just do it. How much more important than that is a is a score in the game where everybody saw it go through the basket? The fact that Sakakis didn't jump in and say, fix this, give them those points. First of all, they should have. And if they couldn't, then what on earth are they for? What is more important than giving a score is giving the points to a team who scores. I, I can't think of anything that's more important than that. So that's that's just completely ridiculous to have this system. And we're in this weird in-between right now with the first year of reviews and cha- or, or challenges where the referees are looking at footage. They see things, but they can't rule on them. Because it wasn't called to begin with, and they can only call or or overturn specifically what was called. And it's like sometimes the sometimes like three things wrong going on in the in the video that we're watching seventeen times while the refs are over on the sideline looking at the at the monitor, and they don't get to talk about any of those. They only get to talk about the one tiny thing that was called. So frustrating. Yeah, definitely. Just the, I get why coaches cannot challenge for plays that were not called because, and if well, that be happens, awarding plays, them a, t- a timeout, they'd be warming them a timeout in the middle of the play of run of play. Yeah, and if the play is still ongoing, then and it ends up the challenge is wrong, then they just possibly took an opportunity away from the other team or something. I get the challenges that are there with asking for calls that didn't happen, but I don't know. There's just, there's gotta be a a better way in the same sense that the Rockets are claiming they should have won the Spurs game because a basket that should have counted was not given. Oh, if the league is going to open Pandora's box and allow those minutes to be replayed, Who's to say that teams can't now file protests for uncalled defensive goaltendings? Those are points that should have counted but can't be reviewed. There's no rule saying Secaucus, New Jersey can't ring down to the refs and tell them to count this basket. Coaches can't challenge for that call to be made or reviewed. And it's just a, a huge mess. It's This whole Houston Rockets game, among other moments, have made it very obvious that both video review and the coaches challenge rules need revisiting this summer. Serious revisiting, if not an absolute overhaul. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to take a quick sponsors break. When we come back, I want to talk about what I think the future of the league officiating is going to look like. And, but first I want to hear from you about the issues that we've had seeing in recent Spurs game as far as recent Spurs games, as far as issues with the coaches challenge, we'll get that when we come back. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. This is J.R. Wilco. This episode of the superfluous poppycock. I have Marilyn Dubinsky with me, Marilyn. Tell me about what you've seen recently with the coaches challenge and hiccups and issues and problems uh, about the implementation of it. And really just the utilization of it as well by the, by the San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich specifically? Well, for starters, 
I think it's ridiculous that if a coach is successful in a coach's challenge, they don't get it back for at least one more challenge, which is also a reference back to football. And in the Pistons game, we saw both Dwayne Casey and Greg Popovich use them early because they were just getting so frustrated with the refs. And one thing about every time Greg Popovich uses it, it seems to result in a jump ball, which the Spurs do not win many of. They really don't, do they? They don't. It's frustrating. They primarily lose the jump balls. And the reason for the jump balls is if the ball was not in someone's possession at the time of the play being challenged, they can't give the ball to anyone. So the Spurs saw that almost backfire spectacularly against the Kings because with about 15 seconds left, the Spurs had a clean strip. They were about to pick up the ball and throw it up court for a breakaway basket that would have given them a one point lead, but the refs called a foul pop challenged it and successfully got the call overturned. But because it was a strip, no one had the ball when the foul was called. Therefore it's a jump ball. LaMarcus Aldridge tips it out of bounds the Kings inbound it, get free throws, and the Spurs are down three with about 13 seconds left. Fortunately, Marco Bellinelli hit a three to send it to overtime, and they'd gone and win, so that really kind of saved the refs in that game. Well, but, it, it, well, this definitely saved the Spurs in that game. It's a really yeah. odd situation there because you've got three Spurs players around that loose ball, one of them which pretty much had it. The, the, I understand the whistle going off when multiple guys have a chance at it, but in a situation like that, technically the ball is loose, but you see them grab it immediately. That that just seems, it, it seems like a judgment call should be able to be made. And I think a lot of judgment calls are taken off the table when you when you bring in video. And 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 we've seen any number of times where the replay is being shown, and you obviously see what happened in the play. But the opposite of what happens is ruled because they're looking at one very tiny little specific thing. And it seems like it seems like it's like a zero tolerance type thing where you, you hear stories about kids getting sent home or expelled from school, suspended for, I don't know, a, a, a knife shaped cookie. It's like it's not a knife <laughs> or somebody like a, like a little kid in the elementary school biting his sandwich into the shape of of a gun or a weapon or something like that, obviously as a joke and, and getting expelled. And it, it's like that kind of thing where you're like, really, really? I mean, like, the, you know, kids been doing this kind of thing forever. It's just, it's just, let's, let's implement a system where there's some logic can be used. And right now there's so many judgment calls in a game. Like everyone's seen times where a guy will bump another guy out of bounds and the guy who, who has the ball in his hands, goes out of bounds, but he wouldn't have gone out of bounds. He hadn't been bumped. And there's not a foul. They don't call a foul on the guy who bumped him, which would be legitimate if they wanted to. They just call it out of bounds on the guy that bumped instead of the guy who actually had his hands on the ball when he went out of bounds. That happens dozens, if not, you know, dozens of times in an NBA season. Maybe even more than that. And whoever's got the ball when they're... (laughs) Like that team gripes like crazy. Well, we, we like we should, right? The the other team, the the team that doesn't have 
uh, didn't have the touch. It's like, we didn't touch the ball. Why, why are you giving it to them? Well, would you prefer me to call a foul on you? It just kind of understood that that's the way they handle it. There's lots of ways that the NBA refs handle things that aren't strictly by the rules, but still justice is given. Just because he bumped you doesn't mean I'm going to call a foul on him, but I will at least let you have the ball. It's not a strict rule. It's not applied all the time. But that's the kind of thing I would like for them to be able to, to manage within within the course of, of a game using replay, for sure. The, the entire implementation of this initial coaches challenge has to has to have a serious overhaul because I don't think anybody fully understands the rules. Certainly, the way that I've been watching it doesn't seem like justice is actually being done. It seems like it's it's opening an entirely different can of worms, and and you can have a, a, a just as bad a thing happen. You can have yep, you called it. That was a mistake, and something just as bad or worse happens to you as a result, and that shouldn't be. I agree, and I I think part of the problem is the whole they can only review what was called, not what wasn't. And so many, you think about it, so many more of the grievances with officials in the past that maybe led to what felt like a loss or something is non-calls, and it makes me think back to the uh, Grizzlies game they lost at home, which I think was Tony Parker's jersey retirement night, when DeMar DeRozan was going up for a layup that I want to say would have given him a one-point lead or something, got hacked across the arms by Jonas Valanciunas. And I think at that point, Pop was still trying to understand the coach's challenge, and he was twirling his finger, trying to yell for him to – uh, review for a foul and they you know it was like sorry we don't review non-calls only, only calls so it almost takes away the purpose of the coach's challenge because not only can it not be used for many things in the last two minutes because there's already a lot of video review mm-hmm. but usually the main grievances are what's not called so what is it actually fixing <laughs> we want to make sure that when the refs stop the game that they stopped it for the right reasons the, the game is absolutely stopped, and so we have a chance to go back and video review. But if all three refs swallow their whistles simultaneously, whatever egregious, unjust things happen at that point, you have to deal with. Man. All right, so, Marilyn, you're going to change the current NBA coaches challenge. What are you going to do to it? Probably the first thing I would do is... If a coach has a successful challenge, they get it back for at least one more time a game. And there is not all the holding on to it as long as possible when maybe it could have been beneficial early in the game if they had used it. And that would be the first thing I would pick because I think it's I get why they don't get a lot per game because then the game would never end. But I think one successful challenge, you should get it back. Man, there are a ton of coaches just hanging on to those. And at the beginning of the season, when I read over the rules and was watching some of the implementation of it early on, I was thinking that is the only thing that I would do. So many ups and downs, so many back and forths that without a doubt, the oh, I would just hold on to it to the, to the very end, just in case there was something on the last play that was called incorrectly or at the very end that really would necessarily change the outcome of the game 
But now, with the, after watching you know, the first month plus of the season, I'm thinking, I want my points. <laughs> if there's anything that looks like it'll give me points, I want my points. I want points on the board because Pops used it a number of times and only gotten jump balls out of it or only gotten uh, like, like the ball, right? I would be holding on to it. I'd be waiting for any opportunity where I saw on the replay something that I thought would either take away points from the other team or give me points. That was the only time I'd be able, I would use it. I wouldn't use it for possession. I wouldn't use it for a jump ball. I would use it for anything like that. I want points. If I can, if I've got something in my, like if somebody, if somebody handed both of the coaches a, a, a chit at the beginning of the game and say, you can play this chit at any time in the game to take away two or three points from the other team or to give your team two or three points. Why, why would, why wouldn't you use it? Every coach would use it at least some point in the game. And so uh, like the best chance that I think one of my players has been called for a foul on a three pointer. And one of their guys is about to go to line for three points. I'm calling it. I'm trying to get it to the point where they're not going to get three, three free throws. Unless, unless, you know, I think everyone would use that unless it's Bryn Forbes going to the line. What did he hit? One of three in the last game? In the Rockets game, maybe he had an O of three oh. trip. In the Kings game, Patty Mills a had a one of three trip. Oh. Anyway. All right. So that's, that's, that's your first change. You got another one that you want to, another thing that you'd like to implement as a change in the current NBA's coaches challenge. I feel like there should at least be certain non calls that coaches are allowed to challenge like an uncalled defensive goaltend. I get the risk of allowing them to challenge for uncalled fouls, but I mean, something like a goaltend, the whole point of challenging it would be because the refs didn't call it. Those are points that should have counted that didn't, which is going again, back to the Rockets grievances with that game. Mm Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't you be allowed to challenge points that should have counted but didn't, even if the refs didn't call it? So I, think I would, caveat, at the bare minimum, add yeah. uncalled defensive goaltend as something that coaches could challenge, even if it's at the next dead ball. I'd say if the game is stopped. Once the game, if the game is still fluidly moving and going, you can't have coaches have the ability when their team doesn't have the ball to jump in there and stop stop a play i so many plays go uncalled so many things the refs miss so many things they call incorrectly if the ball is stopped i'm 100 i agree with you that should be a reviewable that should be a challengeable call so uh, but you gotta you, you gotta preserve the run of play i think you can't you can't have somebody just throwing that out there way too many opportunities for for weirdness there i would say and the the change the changes I would implement would would be more towards having Sakakis giving them free reign to be able to see points, free reign to be able to review plays and change after the fact what the actual score is as the game is going on, so that we don't have stuff like the rocket, like James Harden's missed dunk, so that we don't have things that are in the same class of change a two to a three or a three to a two without a coach having to use a challenge just to have his, his team's scores count. I think that's ridiculous. 
All right. Any any other changes before? Any other changes you got? Well, this wouldn't necessarily be a change to the coach's challenge directly, but kind of to add to your point, one thing that the refs try to do is they know okay if it's in the last two minutes and they aren't sure if a two is a three or a three is a two, they have the ability to stop play and go review it immediately in the last two minutes to avoid the issues like you were mentioning. So the other thing to do would be for the league to just coach the refs to, okay, if you aren't sure if this is goaltending or not, call it and go review it instead of letting it go uncalled and unchallenged and remain wrong, which is another reference back to football, even though the refs don't always do it correctly. The rule of thumb is if you aren't sure and it's a challengeable play, call it and then go review it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. I want to talk about what I think the future of the NBA is as far as officiating and especially as far as goaltending calls, out of bounds calls, and maybe even eventually fouls are. And I think it's going to be sensors. I think the ball's going to have sensors on it. I think eventually the court will have sensors on it. I don't think there's any team sport. Definitely not any, any major team sport that's more that would have more of a benefit to it and would be easier to implement than the relatively small court and putting sensors in the shoes, in the ball, and on the court just to be able to know was the player in or out? Was the player on or off the three point line? Was the ball actually out of bounds or did it just look at like it from the angle that the NBA, that the ref was at? Being able to tell, did it hit the backboard first? Sensors in the rim, in the backboard, on the court, on shoes, on the ball. And then maybe eventually on players' uniforms themselves. Maybe even force sensors to be able to deal with flopping. If a player gets uh, like like actually look at how much how how, how many uh, newtons of force would be necessary to knock someone down, anything less than that, the jersey doesn't recognize it. It doesn't matter if the if the ref wants to try and call it because he's fooled by the flop. It doesn't it doesn't go because the jersey didn't recognize that much that much force on it. That's what I think eventually will be. And I don't know if it'll be a decade or two from now, but I'd love to see something like that implemented to be able to help better officiate what is right now an extremely difficult, almost unofficiatable sport. What do you think? Well, I mean, that is a step that soccer has started taking with, Mm -hmm. uh, sensors on the goalposts that will go off when the ball completely crosses over uh, the goal line into the basket. And as a soccer fan, I've seen issues with those before that have driven me crazy. I think the uh, quarterfinals of the 2002 World Cup against U.S. against Germany that I remember they had a ball go over the line, but the refs Mm -hmm. didn't count the goal. And that still bugs me today. I don't know why. Had so much backspin on it, it hit and bounced back right back out. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've never really thought of that idea before. It would certainly be interesting, like, you know, if the ball completely passes the rim, maybe a green light on the backboard goes off and you avoid the James Harden situation or even going back a couple years, the Manu Ginobili situation Mm -hmm. when he hit a three against the Knicks that took such a crazy angle, the refs didn't even realize it went in. Although they well, did review that one. He didn't hit a three. First of all, let's make this let's make this absolutely clear. He threw the ball as a pass that went in. Mm-hmm. He made a, it like it was a made basket, but he didn't hit a three. He wasn't trying to make a three. He didn't take a three. I guess he I guess technically he hit a three, but it wasn't intentional by any means. But no, that's a great idea. I, I would I'd I'd love to have you know sensors around the basket as well to be able to deal with uh in the cylinder calls for for goaltending that 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 has always bothered me you got a camera right over the goal and you've got refs that are several feet below the basket and far away like all of the different perspective issues that you've got to be able to call something whether it's inside or outside the cylinder set up an actual cylinder with sensors or use a use a camera to be able to figure that stuff out. The refs, the refs perspective is just way too difficult to be able to do that with any kind of specific consistency, I think. And with the stuff in place to be able to do that, implement it at the G league level. That's what the miners are for. Try this stuff out, push the boundaries and make it so that you actually show that you care about these kinds of things going the way they should go, the way that the camera shows viewers at home. Situations where viewers at home have a better idea of what's going on than the refs themselves, eliminate them all. And I think I think sensors are there. Uh, sensors are a, a, an opportunity to be able to do that. I think lighting up the, uh, well, technically, not literally, but but lighting up the NBA court and using the technology that's available today to increase the overall experience of the players being able to play the game and know that the calls are being handled in a just way would go a long way towards improving uh, the, the quality of play and the overall product. All right. So enough of that, enough of sensors. Let's get into uh, this episode's unnecessary foolishness. What have you got for me, Marilyn? Well, I am going back to this Sacramento game. I love that after a lot of early season struggles in the clutch, the Spurs are now finding ways to win between the Rockets game and the Kings game. They became the first team in the last 20 years to come back from eight points down in the last two minutes and win the game in consecutive games. But they need to stop putting themselves in that situation. And for me, the fourth quarter of that Kings game was just the craziest, streakiest quarter I've ever seen. So the Kings were on a little roll into the, from the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, had built an eight point lead and the Spurs respond to that with an eight Oh run a little bit later. The Kings respond to that with a six Oh run. Then the Spurs respond to that with a seven Oh run to tie it back up. And then they immediately give up a 9-0 run to the Kings. So now they're down 9 to the Kings. And then they respond to that with an 8-0 run to get within one before all that uh, final chaos ensued with the two coaches challenge and the bad foul call that 
led to the jump ball, but I mean, the Spurs eventually hit the three and, you know, forced overtime with a final 11 2 run. But I, I've just never seen a streakier quarter than that. And it's just kind of the epitome of what these Spurs have been all season. They have, they'll have a good stretch and a bad stretch and a good stretch and a bad stretch, whether it's half to half, quarter to quarter, or even play to play. And if they can just find a level of consistency and not put themselves in these situations where their bad stretches are outweighing the good stretches, then they won't have to make NBA history like being the first team to come back from eight down the last two minutes in consecutive games. Well, I would agree that that's unnecessarily, unnecessarily foolish, for sure. It, it seemed like there was only one team that was allowed to score at a time. And, and the box score proves it, right? The, the play-by-play proves it. Every team was just going on a run and then stopping scoring. And then the other team would pick up scoring and then they would trade it back and forth. It's like... It's like volleyball out there for a little bit. <laughs> we could get a side out, but we can't get a score. All right. Do you have any more, anything else foolishness for, uh, for, for my turn? Well, beyond everything else we've already talked about today, so I will let you go. All right. So my unnecessary foolishness, my superfluous poppycock for the week has got to be Joey Crawford attending the Kings game as an NBA ref evaluator for a Spurs game. He's out there evaluating refs. And the first thing that I think of when I see him in the stands is, do his evaluation forms have things on it like, not enough ejection of guys on the bench? Or, sure seemed to me like somebody on the bench might have been laughing at you, missed a prime opportunity to hand out some texts. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just the bad blood between Joey Crawford and Tim Duncan in there. But the fact that that guy's evaluating refs is probably completely sane. And he might be really good at it. But just watching him do that, just put a smile on my face for sure. And that'll do it for this episode of Superfluous Poppycock. Until next time, keep safe and let it fly.